Welcome to the Warehouse Podcast. We are a non-profit organization based in Cape Town, South Africa, passionate about societal transformation through an engaged and justice-centered church. We believe that Jesus is never disengaged from pain, oppression, or injustice, and as such, neither should we be. Join us on a journey to explore what it means to emulate his ways of being within our context today. Okay, welcome everybody to the Warehouse Podcast. Um, This is the first in a while. Um, Sorry about that, but we are very excited to be back. And um, I have two amazing guests with me today, um, Abby and Liesl. And I'm super excited to hear some of their thoughts and reflections um, about the Good Food Club and some of their journey into thinking about food justice and where that's taken them. Um, I'm gonna ask them to give an introduction of themselves just now. But I think um, just something I wanted to kind of frame this conversation with. So I think as the warehouse, a lot of what we do, and you might have heard us say um, this thing of being shaped by disequilibrium and inviting people to stay in these places of disequilibrium, of discomfort, um, because often this is where we This is where we get formed and get shaped. Um, But also we're not just asking people to stay in disequilibrium. We want people to move towards action. So yes, we're shaped by the uncomfortable spaces, but we allow that to move us into something different. And so um, in this podcast, we wanted to touch on this and the importance of the work of actually reimagining and acting towards what a world embodying the peace and justice of God could look like. Um, So with that being said, um, Abigail and Liesl, could you introduce yourselves, please? And feel free to say your names, who you are, maybe a little bit about what you do, whatever you would like to share. Welcome, Abby, to go first, please. (laughs) Hello, Hello, my name is Abigail Ferson, and... um, I live in Cape Town and I have three girls um, kind of all under the age of 11 well soon to be 11 Um, something about me I love good food tasty food (laughs) but I also love dancing I'm a flamenco Mm. dancer wow doing that for many decades on and off. Um, I'm a homeschool educator by day and a crocheter by night. <laughs> nice. um, and yeah, but, um, but yeah, I have been an associate and friend of the warehouse for many years and, and worked there for a little bit in the um, 2000s. Where, where are we now? Yeah, about 10 years ago for a season so I know the community of the warehouse well and um, my background is social work and and now I'm, I'm spreading my the justice veins that run through my body in in other areas of social justice besides mm. people and justice but obviously food and people you mm. can't really separate issues around food um, but yeah so that's Ooh. me amazing thank you Abby Lisa yeah, um, so I'm originally from the US, but I moved to South Africa 
27 years ago to be with the man who soon after became my husband, um, Craig Stewart, who actually works at the warehouse. Um, and I've lived here in Cape Town. Well, we've lived here ever since I moved here 27 years ago. And we now have three children who are all young adults and teens. Um, I worked in the NGO sector for years and then I ended up, I, this, the story of a good food club is kind of how I ended up becoming involved with food. Mm. It wasn't planned. Um, but um, I have just submitted a master's thesis on, Yay. well, in which I, yeah, in which I tell the story of the good food club. And so that's Amazing. kind of what I've just finished doing now. So looking to see what's next um, as I continue to be involved with the GFC, but what's next? Because I'm, I'm in this food space now and I'm here to stay. I mean, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so, cause I'm passionate about it. Mm. So yeah. cool. Amazing. Congratulations on submitting your master's. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I should also introduce myself because I always forget to do this, but my name is Tandi Kamete. Um, I work for the warehouse, doing a bunch of different things here and there. One of those things is obviously um, the podcast. Um, yeah, but I love getting to have these conversations with different people. Um, so I'm super excited about this one today. So just to get started, we've all mentioned the Good Food Club, um, but for our listeners who don't know what that is, could you please tell us what that is? What is the Good Food Club? I, I mean, I actually did speak about this a bit, Tandy, <laughs> so um, the, the GFC, the Good Food Club, or we call it GFC, um, mm -hmm. it's a food buying club or a purchase group. Um, these are informal but organized collectives of households buying food together in bulk um, and globally it's one form of what's called an alternative food network mm. yeah i mean abby jump in at any point but we started 13 years ago and we, we kind of started by accident um abby and i were were friends but we were new friends and we started buying cheese and olive oil together and um, we approached a farmer to ask him um if we could buy cheese from him how much do we need to buy for him to be willing to deal with us directly and um and then we gathered people you know just very informally asked people mm -hmm. to join us um and and i don't think either of us remember that very well abby how we did that <laughs> um yeah. and then and then olive oil we started with olive oil mm -hmm. um and realized that we could get olive oil at better prices if we dealt directly with um people um, making or supplying it and then we started asking what next what other things can we buy together Cool. And it grew from there. Yes, and and I and I guess yeah, the the kind of motivation and um, uh, yeah, the motivation behind it is really to collectively pool our efforts as mm -hmm. individuals and and really try and support local businesses and farmers and suppliers as much as possible. But yeah, like Liesl said, it, it was born out of our our, our love for cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <it. laughs> Amazing. Olive oil. <laughs> and and really, I mean, um, we'd seen this cheese at a at a farm stall. I would buy little slabs of it. And it was just, it was expensive. So you just start realizing, okay, mm -hmm. if we get the middle people out of the the mix then if you if you mm. buy directly from the farmer then you you can buy it at a better price and then mm. if you're buying collectively with a group then you're buying it at an even better price um 
So, so that's, yeah, that's kind of how it started. Now we buy flour and eggs and farm produce, Ooh. coffee, tea, bread, grains, legumes, you know, all kinds of stuff together. And how many people are part of the Good Food Club at the moment? Maybe as a start, Liesl, maybe we just need to clarify um, about how the Good Food Club operates. So, so yeah, being, being a solidarity purchase group or buying club, um, there are quite a few clubs dotted around, but um, each club operates autonomously. Okay. So for Liesl and I, respectively, our clubs would... Um, Alisa can answer for herself. At the moment, my club has about 35 households that buy yeah. together on a monthly basis. I'm about the same. I'm probably 40, 35 to 40, but okay. about the same as Abby's. Cool. Yeah. We started together. I'm running this, you know, we, we, we ran a group together and we, we built, like we added more foods we were buying together. People would hear about us and they'd ask to join. We never advertise this and people would just hear about it it was word of mouth and so we got bigger and bigger until we got we became too big we had too much food there and too many people involved so we actually had to split and so Abby that's in 2016 after I think we started about 2007 so almost 10 years later we actually had to split our group and then other groups also formed but I also think it's it's important to say um the the way we work on a monthly basis so we have what are called collection days where our, our, each of our groups orders food. And then on, on that collection day, which we call market days, um, people, all, all of our members will come and, and collect their food on that day. It's a chaotic, busy, organized social day. It's a full on day of people coming to get their food orders for the whole month um, on these, on these market days. So, so, so Abby will have her own market day on a day that her group decides mine will have its own market days, but there it's on a monthly, it's a monthly rhythm of buying food for most, for all of the groups that I know of that exist. And I think there's about 15 groups right now within our constellation of, of um, clubs. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned the thing of kind of collective buying um, to reduce costs and also getting getting the money into the hands of the local farmers. Um, and maybe, Abby, I can ask you, so besides from those, what are kind of the pillars, um, I guess, that hold up the Good Food Club or kind of the, the core values? Yes. Well, well, like uh, we mentioned earlier, I mean, one of, one of them is to, as far as possible, support um, farmers and suppliers and businesses local to mm. Cape Town um, or the Western Cape. And, and then there obviously are some things that, that we would choose to, um, to, to purchase from a supplier or farmer that isn't local to this region mm-hmm. because whatever they're growing, for example, um, doesn't grow in this region. And so certainly one of our core values is to support as local as possible whenever Mm. possible um also whenever possible Liesl can add to this is is really to be able to to source uh, food and supplies that are that are grown ethically um Mm. and and considering people considering the land um considering Mm. animals um in how food gets produced and grown is mm. also one of our values. Yeah, I mean, 
so some years ago, Abby and I realized that we, we were developing the theology of, of our tables of um, mm. start up being a theology of food and then it became a theology of the plate and then it became a theology of the table because you know, food is, is usually communal, it's social, mm. it's not just the food you're eating, it's who you're sitting with. So, mm. so it's actually a work in progress. It's a theology that starts with questions. It's not static and it's, yeah, it's always deepening and it leads to more questions inevitably. Um, so when, like for, like I would say, so when my family sits at our table is the food on our plates provided with respect for the earth and um, res with respect for the environment, how have the people been treated, every person involved in, in getting this food to my table and, um, and how have the animals been treated, how's creation been treated. Mm -hmm. um, and then who's welcome at my table? Is there anybody who's excluded? Um, and, then, and then something that's become really like this has developed as I've gone, but um, was fair financial exchange made that the prices mm. that I paid for my food, are they fair to the producer and every person involved in the supply chain mm. as they're fair to me? So looking at, at that, that, that feels really important right now in, this, in, in the food systems as they are in our society right now. Yeah, just to add to, to what Liesl said, yeah, I mean, these food systems that we engage with on, on a daily basis for those of us who are privileged to eat more than once a day. Um, it's like there's, there's so many opportunities for us to pause and consider um, what, is, what is on our table, what is on our plate mm. and, and, and really appreciate and have a real um, sense of gratitude when, when we can look at our plate and say, oh, I, I know where this stone ground flour comes from uh, you know I've engaged with a farmer and you know the the eggs come from a a farmer um in the region and and it's it's quite a, a joyful thing to to look at a bowl of pasta and um and and appreciate and enjoy what's in it knowing where it's come from um because yeah. it's what a story to tell you know for example um one of the organic farms that we get vegetables from, like it's been such a joyful journey to, to get to know um, one of the employees on the farm um, and, and get to know him over, over the last few years. And, you know, knowing that he's involved in the day-to-day -day, um, running of the farm and supporting the staff there and, being on the ground and um, harvesting and then driving it <laughs> to mm -hmm. our homes. Like yeah. just such a beautiful appreciation for what's on our plates. Yeah. And knowing that, um, that we part of that, that food system and that supply chain in an active way is so different to going to a retail store. Cool. Yeah. It's really amazing. Um, I think, I think I'm so struck by so much of it. I think um, Abby, the way that you're talking about, just kind of that intimate connection with the food that's on your plate and the beauty of being able to know where it's all come from and have relationship with the people who've been growing it is so incredible. And I think it just, um, I think what strikes me so much is just the stark contrast between that and what, so, what for so many of us, I guess, has become normal and the way that 
I guess the food systems are set up to make us so disconnected um, from our food. Like we literally just see what's in pick and pay or whatever shop we go to um, and it's packaged and we have no idea where it's come from or um, whether there's been fair financial exchange or whether it's local or whether it's been grown ethically in all of the different areas that you mentioned. Um, so, yeah, I'm so struck by that. Um, yeah, so, of course, like all the different values that you've spoken about, um, fair remuneration, um, things like who's welcome at my table, supporting local, ethically regarding the people that work on the land, the land itself, the environment. Um, so, so you're looking at all of those things in the Good Food Club, which... I'm guessing means that you found the opposite um, in other places and this was kind of a, a response to that. So I'm, I'm interested in that journey of discovering these different things and um, how this, I mean, you've talked a little bit about how the journey began, but, but I think what, what kind of, what places were you confronted um, by the things that are the norm that really pushed you into doing something different? Um, yes, um, I think maybe a decade or a bit, a bit more than a decade ago, I, I really um, started paying attention to the details on, on things that I was buying at the shop. I would, I would start browsing the ingredient list and mm. see if I could spot the region. It, it really was a simple thing. Like I just started with, with one or two things and that was one of it that I wanted to pay attention to mm. what I was going to consume and, and, and what, what the ingredients were. And so that was one simple way that I, I started acting on it, but a very disturbing in, incident that happened to me um, probably it could have actually been the the year Mike and I got married. It must have been on our honeymoon. We visited a, a wine farm, and and while we were visiting this wine farm, they were busy um, spraying pesticides. Mm -hmm. And I sat there, um, maybe it was on the porch of the wine farm that I was sitting on. I was watching this employee on this tractor spraying, and and he or she, um, I couldn't see close enough but was was driving through this cloud of spray and it just yeah. shook me I was like oh my word like for me that was the turning point when I realized like it's yeah. nice to be able to 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 choose to eat organically but I had until that point I had made the choice for my own personal well-being and for the first time I realized mm -hmm. actually people are involved in this food mm -hmm. system every day where they don't have the choice to say yes or no or make sure that they've got the proper protective gear. And I just thought like, like I have to be more thoughtful about what I buy and how I buy it because there are people involved at every stage of, of this process and, and I need to be more considerate and, and thoughtful because it's not just about food, it's about people. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was, that was quite a striking um, moment for me because you know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, wine is one aspect, but I mean, that happens with, with all sorts of food mm. every day. And I, and that was for me a, a turning point. I realized I can, I can make choices that I'm able to make to, um, yeah, yeah make changes for myself and my family and, and hopefully for others too. 
Mm, thank you. So good. Liesl, what has that journey been like for you? Yeah, um, similar to, to, to Abby, like, like organics, and I, I've, I've seen it in my reading from my master's, like, like people that are often concerned about organic food, it's, it's often thought to be the yuppies, and um, I've, I've read them described as angsters, like people are full of <laughs> angst about their food, um, but, but just realizing it's, it is a much bigger deal than and that like, like we're, yeah, so with the whole system, it's filled with people, it's filled with movement. Um, and I think um, the supermarkets are anonymous. So Abby talked about reading labels in, when she would buy, I would do the same. Like I, I, that was me in the supermarket, like picking up things and reading the back. I, I, I did that endlessly for a while, just trying to see what is this food I'm buying? What's in it? Um, and then, and then it was as we started, yeah. And then if I wanted to know about an item of food, it's really hard to find that out with a supermarket because yeah. you can't trace it. You can't track it wow. back unless, unless the supermarket wants to give you a story. And mm -hmm. there's a bit of marketing around that and that's happening a little bit more. But, um, but with us starting to interact with, um, with the, the people that were making our food, um, getting closer to the the actual production of our food, um, then then that started to transform mm. my understanding of the food system, um, because they they opened they opened our eyes. I think huh, Abby, they opened our eyes to the realities they were facing as producers and as mm. you know having to have viable businesses. Um, so so that was actually important, and it, it just it, it gave me entree into this this food system, the food economy that we're in to realize I want something different than what the supermarkets are offering. Mm. Um, I want, I want access to information about what's happening in the production. I want to know how it's traveling yeah. from rural to urban. Um, yeah. And, and, and just learning what's not working mm. for people within the food chain and what, what is working, but also in a big way, sadly, what's not working for mm. them, I think has, has been a, a big deal and then and then um uh, i'll stop there this is so good i i think i i definitely want to know more um so you you talk about like some of the things that opened your eyes um to some of the things that are not working and these food the whole food system that is in place so i think what are what are some of the things that that your eyes were open to like what were some of the most striking things that that were not working that maybe some of us who haven't haven't been on a journey like you have um, maybe don't know about the food systems or um, are kind of ignorant to. Um, I would love to hear some of those things. Okay, and um, so I think a, a big problem is the whole system right now in South Africa um, is now kind of rigged towards supermarkets. They really dominate. Um, so globally, there's a supermarketization of, of food systems. But in South Africa, over the last 25 years, it's happened very fast. Right. So now there's four supermarket corporations that run the show for formal, formal food retail. And oh. they're so dominant that they, they set prices for the farmers and then they control the prices that we spend as consumers. Mm. So... So they, they 
are power players and they, they push the farms that they deal with to get bigger. So, so we have a problem in the country that we're losing some of the smaller farms because they can't compete, uh, they have to get bigger or they have to get out. Uh, um, and and it, they, do, they do kind of threaten the existence of local businesses like the informal traders and businesses because, mm-hmm. and we need the informal traders and businesses like, because especially in, in, in poor communities, like they offer credit, they offer smaller pack sizes or they're more mm-hmm. physically accessible to live in communities that are away from public transport. Um, and they also like the supermarkets are pushing really big, big food products like the so-called westernized food products mm-hmm. that are they're packaged, they're highly processed, they're less fresh, they're nutritionally poor, and they're aggressively marketed and, and, and the supermarkets are very effective at getting these foods out. So, mm-hmm. um, and then, so, so talking, so, so they run like the whole food system is, is run by them. And, um, and then if talking to the, the, the suppliers that we've talked to, the producers, mm-hmm. like, like a guy I talked to just this past week, who, who is just starting to supply our group with, with um, frozen berries. He was saying that if he supplies the bigger supermarkets, um, the regional ones, um, that they take 90 days to pay him. So, so he wow. said that is standard, like 90 days for a very small business wow. um, is it's crippling. And we've heard this over and over, huh, Abby? Um, so, yeah. yeah, so, so, so we get to, we get to be in, we get to be in um, as a, another player in this that we pay quickly, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we're trustworthy and we pay quickly. We don't make people wait 90 days. I, I apologize if I make somebody wait more than a week, you know, um, and, and stuff. So, so that's like one of the really, that's one of the really big, um, bigger picture scenarios of, of what we're dealing with um, that, that I think we started learning about through our suppliers. And then, mm-hmm. and then obviously I've been learning more about it through my master's. Um, and I just want to be part of what Walter Brueggemann describes as a, um, a system or economy that's based in the caring for the common good. It's like about mm-hmm. the work of neighborhood. So we bring food down to a closer level, a, a more socially connected level. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like the economies are based in connection and relationship that are closer to us. Um, that's, that's kind of what my I feel like it's my full-bodied response to this big supermarket system that's around us is I'm going to be part of an alternative that's based in neighborhood and that's looking out for the common good. Beautiful. Um, sure. Yeah. Thank you. Abby, did you want to add to that? Um, I'm not sure how closely related it is to what Lisa has just said, but I, I think one of the things that that I think we've grown in understanding in our engagement with um, suppliers and farmers and small businesses is like just asking good questions is really helpful. Um, I spoke Mm -hmm. earlier about, um, you know, about the turning point with me um, around uh, (laughs) the pesticides and, and while, and while the hope is I can, my family and I will be able to have um, as ethically produced foods as possible. I think I've, I've really grown in respect um, for a lot of farmers and businesses because not everyone's able to, to easily choose to farm or produce organically. And so 
I, I learned pretty early on that I need to be very creative with how I ask questions about the, the, the production process or the growing process, mm. because we discovered that many, many farmers and suppliers, um, number one, it's very expensive to, to be certified organic. And then there's the ongoing mm. costs that come with that. But many farmers are, are choosing to farm sustainably and ethically and in so doing, um, you know, still producing good food. And so mm. I think one of the things that I learned is not only to look for an organic label, but to recognize that um, there are sustainable ways that, that farmers mm. and producers are choosing um, and, and to, to know how to ask good mm. questions so that you get the information you really want out of them. Yeah, um, sure. And, and that, that, that the conversation doesn't shut down. No, we're not organically certified. If that makes any sense. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So, yeah, and I was that whole process and that you needed to pay to get certified and all of that. So that must be yeah. quite a barrier for many people, I guess. Yeah, yeah it is actually. I think also um, what, what I've been learning, Abby's actually helped me as because we worked so closely together all these years um, but because we deal with directly with the people supplying us with our food um, that we have this relationship and then this trust builds um, and 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 then that gives that that creates space for if if the let's say the farm that we were talking about earlier if some of the stuff comes and it's just a bit like some of the stuff's a bit grouchy, like it's just, it's just mm -hmm. not as fresh as it could be. And mm -hmm. um, then, then you ask, you know, you have the, the ability to ask good questions um, mm -hmm. of, of the farm, just go back and say, Hey, what's going on with this? Um, or that, like in a gracious way, in, in yeah. a, in a, in a, yeah, in a, a relational way, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's grace in the relationship and you can yeah. ask them. They trust us that we're not trying to, and mess them around and we trust yeah. them that they're not trying to mess us around so there's, there's a lot of trust in it and so, so sometimes when there's variations in quality we can weather those whereas if you buy some happy you just take it back the supermarket needs to take your return usually yeah. you know like without yeah. question and then you don't know like what's been involved with it coming there's, yeah, yeah there's just no there's no background yeah. to it it's yeah. just you are interacting in an individual way without realizing your ramifications with the ramifications of your your um action in the system so i don't know if that makes sense but um yeah. but here we're interacting relationally um and i and i think yeah unfortunately the 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 kind of retail sector has really done a disservice to us as consumers because a standard has been created and set about what, what kind of quality is acceptable and anything less than that mm. um, isn't acceptable. And then, and then we forget what's natural. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, it's got to be the, this, this tone of red tomato. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm sucking that out of my thumb. So I think as consumers and um, we've really been, it's been a disservice to us in that. Mm. Um, I really agree with that, though, Abby. I, that's it's so true. We've seen that. Mm. Yeah. I feel like we're we're we've been reconnecting over the past ten years. We've been 
reconnecting what with what real food is mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> and like yeah in, in its more natural state yeah, yeah. so good um so i think you've i think you've already actually answered the question i was going to ask next which was what are some of the things that you've learned along the way and i think you've yeah both spoken into that a, a bit but if there's anything that you want to add um, yes, I, I was um, chatting to Liesl earlier and I said one of the things that, that really strikes me about my own journey over the last uh, decade or so is like one, one really has to learn to be gracious to yourself because I found that um, periodically or seasonally I, I find that I'm better at making good choices and then I go through a season where I'm like, you know, I was so firm on on, on a choice about, um, for example, I'm not going to buy cut potato chips, for example, because it's packaged mm -hmm. and, you know, the frozen chips that you get. And, and oh, yeah. I had to work really hard to resist that. I had young kids. I mean, I still have young kids, but they were younger at the time. And so that was the convenient option. And so, mm -hmm. and so I've had to work very hard. A funny story is that one of my children <laughs> was surprised to see what a butternut looked like because um, I had for a season when I had young kids had just been buying pre-cut butternut and oh, wow. I was like what my child has never seen a whole butternut this is embarrassing <laughs> I run a food club this is really bad <laughs> she was really little but still I was like so I've, I've just had to learn. I have to be gracious to myself. There's mm. reasons in my life where I stuck to my values and my, mm. you know, my convictions around food and I did it really well. And then there's seasons where I lapse in certain areas and I just, mm. we have to afford ourselves that grace to be able to kind of go through those seasons because, yeah. yeah. It's an yeah. evolutionary process and um, an, an organic journey, excuse the pun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that for me has been one of the main things. It's like, I can be gracious to myself. Mm, sure, that's really good. And I think, yeah, especially within a system that's, that's so set up for that, I guess, um, that's important that we are moving towards justice, but we're, we're not going to get it right every single time. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's an important lesson. Tandy, also on this question of, of what we've learned, um, the one small thing, I think we've already touched on it so much, but how complex it is. Like as much as Abby and I have started learning about what's happening in the food systems around us, there's so much more to learn. It's so complex. And mm -hmm. so that part of that graciousness, part of it is like, we, yeah, like so agree with Abby being kind to ourselves. And part of it is sometimes you're working in the dark and you're trying to find out more and there's so much to learn and stuff. So I do believe that this is a communal thing yeah. of, um, that we need each other in this. Like the more that we start bringing this stuff into public conversation, yeah. the better it will be for all of us. Um, but the, 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 the sequelae, disequilibrium um, point that you started this podcast with um, I think that's everything I've I've learned um, and that's this is a, a tension for the two of us is that this country is food secure at a national level like there is enough food in the country to feed everyone but at a household level too many people don't have enough income to 
to access the food. So there's available food, but they can't access it because they don't have enough income. Yeah. Um, it's, it's thought that more than 50% of South Africans are considered food insecure. And then this February, um, the CRAM survey, the Coronavirus Rapid Mobile Survey, yes. found that Hungarians' food insecurity, food insecurity has worsened this past year, which is not yes. a surprise. Um, during lockdown and that hunger level, child hunger levels are now at their highest in 10 years. Um, oh. And um, so, and then in Cape Town, the numbers reflect this. Um, so here we are in Cape Town running this food purchase group where we're buying food for the whole month and we have choice about our food. Mm. Um, and a lot of people in our city don't. So not only do they not, people have choice about the food, the food that they can buy often is not nutritionally rich mm. enough. It's um, So we're talking about good food here. We're talking about yeah. using our collective money to, to have access to good food at better prices. But I think there are a lot of people mm -hmm. that are just excluded from the good food period. Like they yeah. just are buying what they can afford and it's, it's, it's food that's gonna fill their stomachs, but it's not yeah. nutrition nutritious enough for their bodies. Um, mm -hmm. so, so holding this, on the one hand, I'm hold, like saying, okay, we are trying to build good solid market pathways between farmers and, and small business people to to markets that can support them because we need that happening in this country right now. Yeah. Um, but then on the other hand, we've got people that can't afford this food. And, and Jesus taught his disciples to pray, give us today our daily bread. And this is yeah. such a prayer for the common good. Like it's yeah. never about me and my daily bread. It's it's give us today our daily bread. Um, yeah. And I, I'm holding that before God. I'm lamenting and asking how how do I be involved in making sure other people have more choices for their food yeah. and have better food? Um, and, and yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a time to be lamenting. It's a time to be acting and it's time to be collaborating with, with God's imagination, like just yeah. going to God saying, what, what is mm. your map, your picture of a good food mm. system in Cape town right now in the current Yeah. And not, probably not just one system, bunches of them, like bunches of different systems, yeah. alternative. Um, yeah. uh, and, and I don't believe it's going to come through the supermarket system. I believe yeah. it's, we've got to develop other things. I don't. Um, Walter Brueggemann also talks about departing systems, like exiting systems that mm -hmm. are defunct and are broken and sick. And I think the, the current dominant food system is. So it's like, what are alternatives yeah. And I think South Africa has a lot to build on. There's a huge, rich history of stockpiles, mm -hmm. and that, that like I, I could see trying, yeah, just saying what what would it look like in local contexts, different communities, um, you know what could be imagined. And I think there's already stuff happening. So I'm not saying that this isn't happening. I think there already yeah. is stuff happening. But, but Abby and I are sitting in one place, living within the the tension mm. of knowing that we we like what we've been doing and we're glad for who we're supporting within the food system and um, but there's too many there are too many people that are excluded from that yeah yeah sure thank you i i really appreciate your reflections Liesl. um 
I think, yeah, that kind of tension holds true for so, so many different things. And I think, I think what you're saying is so important for so many reasons, but as you say, like being in this place of disequilibrium, like that doesn't end as soon as we act or as soon as we do something. I think, I think we, it pushes us as we stay in that place, even in our action, that pushes us to, yeah, imagine differently and dream differently and create different alternatives. So yeah, I really appreciate, I think hearing your journey and hear, hearing how you just, both of you have just really stayed in that place and stayed engaged. And it sounds like you're continually learning different things and incorporating that into what you're doing, um, which is, yeah, it's just really a beautiful journey and story. Um, so kind of coming out from some of the things that you've been saying, Lisa, um, some of these laments, I think what are, what are some of your dreams for the future um, of both the Good Food Club, but also for justice around food in general. Um, and I, I think in, in your laments, you've touched on some of the things that you'd like to see, but maybe just, yeah, mention a couple of your dreams, things that you would really um, hope to see. Abby, do you want to start with that? Um, yes, I think I think um, what Liesl just shared, yeah, I think that 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 sense of like just a deep lament for something different is mm. is a real longing for me and I know for Liesl and others too is is you know food <laughs> is a basic human right and and mm. and and it's it's heartbreaking that it, it's become about profit so many times and so mm. Um, how to to balance out what what communities need and households need is really a, a struggle. I know, so so it's kind of living with the the joyful being a joyful recipient of of good food each month from people that we've built relationships with over time. Yet knowing that, like Liesl said, people from lower income households don't have the power to choose what they consume, even if they have enough to be able to to buy what they need um and so a real longing for the future would be to be able to to seeing um and i suppose partnering with others however that becomes possible to be able to see um those connections between households and families and and smaller suppliers or farmers in lower income areas is certainly something that i know both Liesl and I dream about and talk about a lot. Um, but yes, needs needs imagination. And and I I I would hope, I think there are definitely people who are thinking about that and imagining it and dreaming about it. So maybe we can pray for God connections in that. Yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that's probably already happening in 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 households that don't necessarily have freedom of choice always, but a, a real desire to be able to find ways to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah um, there, I was telling Abby, there's there's a, a definition I found um, through my reading was for, that the work of food justice is ensuring that people have access to sufficient, affordable, healthy, culturally appropriate food 
and very importantly, respect and self-determination mm. in all phases of food production, exchange and consumption. Mm. Um, and and that's, uh, that's just a dream to be working towards. Um, yeah. when, that, when that access is denied, then the consequent hunger, malnutrition and food insecurity are injustices that need to be addressed. And that's where I feel in Cape Town in South Africa, we're living in the, when that access is denied. Yeah. So then what, is, what does it mean for us to be working for um, the food justice? And I, I really agree with, with, with what you just said, Abby, that um, we need to collaborate. There, there is exciting stuff happening around. And I, I think like our groups, um, so we have, we're part of this group of food clubs that can meet and share information and, and help grow our members to be more conscious consumers. And, and I, I don't think we can underestimate like sometimes when certain people become more conscious and like amazing things can happen. So yeah. like, so the more we can try and influence our members to become more conscious. Um, but then also us working together as clubs, but then also as collaborating outside of our clubs with, with so many other players out there, like people that are doing good things, um, then, then I, I think a lot can be done actually, and probably faster than we realize. And I think there is, there is stuff for us to be tapping into now, now that I have my head up out of my master's, I'm starting to go, whoa, <laughs> there's a lot, of, a lot of people I want to be connecting with and talking to now. Yeah. Um, but it feels very urgent is, is what's on my mind right now. It all feels so urgent because hunger is is yeah. now like like today it's it's worse than it was a year ago and yeah, and it feels it feels well it's not doesn't feel it is urgent mm. right now yeah sure so a last question um for people who might be listening to this and wondering what steps they should take um what advice or encouragement would you give to them? I think it's important to, to kind of make those individual choices personally as a first step and, and then naturally evolve into, yeah, a more community-oriented mm. um, action, I guess. Um, mm. But, yeah, to be able to, to kind of make choices that... that you have convictions about and and in conversation with people I really feel like as Liesl and I and others have had conversations about food and issues around food justice is that you know what I've assimilated has certainly been because of how I've journeyed um, personally but also with others and so um yeah, I would, I would say that I, I wasn't quite sure how to include this in our conversation, but um, Liesl, we've often spoken about this food matrix and, and, and how, we, how we make choices around, you know, which decisions we make around food and, and suppliers, is that, that sometimes it's difficult to balance everything, all of your values in each and every choice that you make. Um, and so it really is a balancing act that when you're wanting to make better choices around food and, and what you consume and, and journeying with others and partnering with others in that is that sometimes you're going to choose local over organic 
balance of values that you're constantly holding, which one am I going to prioritize? Can mm. I prioritize all of my values in this one decision? Mm. Sometimes it's possible and sometimes it's not. And so you're kind of holding that with each decision you make. Yeah, sure. That's helpful. Thanks, Abby. Liesl, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I, I, I like how um, when Abby talked about being gracious earlier, like it is a journey. So just mm-hmm. Abby reflected to me a few years ago, she said, Lisa, I've looked back over the last few years and I've realized how much my food, the buying habits and even my cooking in, in our family has changed and stuff. So things happen slowly. Um, yeah. And food, food is deeply personal and it's cultural. We have strong taste. So to make changes sometimes like to just say, I want to try this healthier thing that it can take a while to, mm. to make that change. Um, so, so it is a journey. It is slow. It, ha- it usually, I think for most people that I've watched, even, even members of our club reflecting, reflecting back to me, they've said things have happened slowly as I've learned more. Mm. Um, but I, I think like start asking the theological questions of your own table, like look at the food and start, start asking. I mean, it will be a ball of yarn that is an ending. So just be warned, yeah. <laughs> just start asking, asking yeah. questions about the food at your table um, yeah. and find ways to buy your food outside of the supermarkets um, yeah, like supporting small businesses and, informal and, and and if that means it's going to be more expensive like maybe pick one item with with some friends say what's going to be the biggest um change to mm-hmm. to our nutrition right now like what what one item would be a big thing if we could start sourcing that for better so mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. yeah like when 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 our youngest child was um she was she was a toddler still she had terrible eczema and, and I started learning about flour because we, we just ate a lot of bread. And, um, and so we, I actually started buying really good flour, stone ground, not processed, not using high heat, but just stone ground, good flour. And her eczema went away. Um, wow. But that meant that I became a bread baking mother, which I never <laughs> set out to be. Like I started endlessly baking bread, but, but her, her eczema went away by changing that one wow. item of food in our house it, it changed um, her health. And, and then for the rest of us, we realized we, we, we only buy um, stone ground flour now, but that means, um, it also means we make most of our stuff. I mean, it's just a family commitment we have, but it's happened over time. Yeah. We didn't do it all in one day. It's happened over time, but you know, we'll, we'll make our own pasta. We'll make our own roll out our own like routines and stuff like that. Um, but, but yeah, so, so, so don't be afraid of big leaps to make, make, make the small mm-hmm. choices like Abby talked about, and then, and then just um, start making them. Mm-hmm. And, and if you need to band together with other people, um, do that. It's a good way to go. It's a good way to work with other people. And no, that's so good. That's yeah. Brilliant. I think one last question, Liesl, if, if people who are listening would like to either join a group or start a group. Is that a possibility? Oh, this is a good question. <laughs> um, we've we've kept a very low profile. Um, so people kind of have to want to find us, mm-hmm. the groups, because because you 
you want to be geographically close to each other. There's a lot of trust within the group because you're putting your money together. So the way stock bills work, I mean, that that social cohesion and that trust that has to happen. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's not just something that somebody can go onto the, find us on the internet and join, but, um, but I, I mean, I'm very open to talking to people if, if people want to contact contact me. I'm, um, mm-hmm. I don't know how that would happen, um, Tandy, but I'm, I'm very open to, to talking to people. Our, our group of buying clubs have helped other groups start. So, cool. you know, and we, we're, we're committed to mentoring other groups and helping them. Amazing. Cool. Well, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if people would like to get in contact, then I think feel free to contact the warehouse and then we can always put you in touch um, with Liesl or Abby and yeah, get you in contact. I think that that could be a good way for people who are interested. Cool, this has been so amazing. And I think there's so much more we could talk about because really, um, yeah, it feels like we've scratched the surface and and this topic really just, I guess, touches on every, every different aspect of life. Um, but I think this has been such a, an incredible glimpse into this world and such for me such an encouraging story I think um I think how you Lisa you mentioned people should could start with one thing if they don't necessarily want to make huge changes and the way that you started with um cheese and olive oil and that exploration led to so many more things and I think what's also been so beautiful is that this is um such a story of friendship and relationship um, from the two of you's friendship and um, being able to do this together and journey into this together and then bringing, bringing other people along um, on the way. So, yeah, I think that's so encouraging. And for the people that are listening, I hope that you've also been encouraged by this. Um, please feel free to get in contact with us. We would love to hear your feedback or your thoughts or Um, If you do start something, we would love to hear about it. So please do get in touch. Um, Yeah, and otherwise, thank you so much, Abby and Lisa, for being here today. Um, This has been a really incredible conversation. Thank you for listening to The Warehouse Podcast. We highly value your comments, questions, and suggestions. Connect with us on Facebook at The Warehouse Trust, on Twitter with the username Warehouse Trust, and on Instagram at We Are The Warehouse. And check out our website at www.warehouse.org.za. Please join us again as we continue to explore questions of Jesus, faith, and justice in our society today.